0: Hey guys, this is the Lament Configuration Horror Podcast. Uh, my name is Greg Knox, and I'm joined, as always, by someone who is the body counts what fat people are to early onset diabetes. Murray um, Coast, reoffend.
1: Hi, Greg. Uh, so help me, Satan. I've had a lot of coffee today.
0: Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, on that note, um, on our show today, as promised, uh, we are discussing three brand new video nasties. So, these are the 72 films found in section two of the Video Recordings Act 1984. But first, and I know you motherfuckers all love it, uh, Ria, can you prepare our usual warning for the squeamish and the spoiler of, yeah, people who don't like spoilers... (laughs)
1: fair enough um i know i usually do the same one but i felt like um meandering off and doing a different one today just to um spice things up a bit so i've worded it slightly different i hope you like it
0: wow let's let's have a listen see what you got for us
1: okay content advisory this broadcast contains gore realistic violence and spoilers please listen responsibly
0: Oh, there you go. You can't get any clearer than that, can you? So, the three films that we're going to talk about today, they all have something in common. And as we uh, do the show today, I want you to all try and guess what this this thing is. So, the first film that we're going to talk about today is Don't Go in the Woods, which is also known as Don't Go in the Woods Alone, and mysteriously, The Forest 2 which makes no sense. Um, so this is directed by James Bryan, and it's another 80s slasher film, which uh, we both love, absolutely. Um, so, Ria, tell us uh, what happens in Don't Go in the Woods.
1: Well, to summarise, um, a murderer kills Taurus in the woods. It's as simple as that.
0: Yeah, basically. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Um, so, Ria, what were your thoughts on uh, Don't Go in the Woods?
1: Um, it's terrible, awful acting, it's funny, I've made a shit ton of notes and it's got a very high death count So although it's a terrible film, it's actually quite amusing to watch So I'm going to say that I enjoyed it just because it was ridiculous What did you think?
0: yeah so i i can't really say i enjoyed it i was expecting it to be more bad good sort of i was expecting something along the lines of like cannibal terror which we talked about uh right at the start of this uh, video nasty series uh in terms of like unintentional hilarity now don't get me wrong there is uh, a lot of bad acting definitely definitely a lot of bad acting bad special effects bad camera work Really bad editing. This is another thing. Like on the low budget scale of these video nasties, some of the editing in these films is absolutely fucking horrendous. I have to say. Yeah.
1: One thing I noted about this film is somebody who styled or maybe the director of this film really likes pink. There's a lot of pink clothing in this film. Did you notice that? What the hell? Like, there's so much pink in this in this film. I just couldn't even handle it. I'm like, why? (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's pink on on guys too, which I didn't even realise was a thing in 1981, exactly. which is when this film came out. So,
1: <laughs> so much I like on all the guys in this film. Yeah, it's just weird, anyway.
0: Very, very weird. Um, And yeah, this was, uh, as I said, not really a very, very good film, Um, which (laughs) I've got to be honest, I actually had to watch this film twice because another issue I had with the film is so much happens that it's actually quite difficult to follow.
1: I agree. Um, I had to keep kind of winding it back and making a note and then just seeing exactly what it was because, as you know, I'm the body count girl And in order, there's quite a high body count in this film, which is good, but it just felt like it went on forever. It was like plot after plot after plot after twist after twist. And it's just like, none of it is really of substance. There's just lots of quantity.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so there are four main characters i guess in a main group but uh yes the body count goes f- way 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 beyond just those four characters is mm. all these because uh, the film as they if we take the title as don't go in the woods alone um it's pretty fucking difficult to do that because these seem to be the busiest woods imaginable they're all these people everywhere
1: ready to be bumped off and they all seem to wear pink as well so <laughs> Mm. Um, yeah, well, the body count is rather high. I counted 14 for this film, which is uh, usually a real treat for me. But like I say, I had to keep winding it back to check who died, how and and where and with what. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, I've had enough now. <laughs> That's enough deaths. 14 is like
0: more than enough. So, um, so, yeah, so as you said, f- 14 bodies to count. Mm. In these, in this, uh, in this film. So, uh, yeah, we better get on with it. Yeah, there's a
1: lot. There's a lot to talk about here. So, um, it starts with a girl that's running away, but she doesn't die. Um, That's just how it. Just straight in there with like sort of peril. As soon as the film opens,
0: and weirdly, like this girl. So, (laughs) what I thought was quite funny is she seemed to be trying to swim in sort of ankle deep sort of water at one point. which is ridiculous but also um she doesn't actually appear for the rest of the film. So I don't know, do we I assume she died but we have no evidence of this. She might have got away for all we know and then just went on with her life, really. Yeah. Um, maybe they should do that.
1: a maybe they should do a spin-off just about that girl so we get to find out cuz This film is terribly inconsistent, as you might have guessed.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, there's a lot of characters that just appear and then disappear, either because they're killed or they just don't appear for the rest of the film, and this is one example of that.
1: Yeah, um, next um, we get, it focuses in on a guy dressed as kind of a Boy Scout or alternative looks like he's um, borrowed Pinocchio's wardrobe with a little kind of pointy Robin Hood hat on and like a sort of beige khaki shirt or something like that. And um, speaking of Pinocchio, the acting in this film is incredibly wooden. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, um, that's like those are my thoughts at this point. I'm like, okay, uh, he loses an arm, and he's the first deaf in the film, and got no context on this character. It's just he's just kind of there. So
0: yeah, so in the um, in the closing credits of the film, uh, he, the character is listed as a bird watcher. Cause he had binoculars i guess um so <laughs> yep that was the extent of the characterization that went into this guy um yeah very unconvincing uh arm being cut off about as convincing as in blood feast with uh, legs being cut off i guess or yeah. maybe even less convincing than that i don't know
1: did you notice how um kind of bright the, the fake blood was you get that real bright paint kind of red that really bugs me in like some films when the fake blood is just too much like paint it's like come on
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of used to it, having watched many, many Italian sort of horror films or many, many sort of horror films from like the 60s and 70s where like the blood was very bright red. Although, interestingly, if you've ever seen like blood when it's coming from an artery, it actually does have a very fluorescent sort of bright quality to it. So it's not that entirely sort of out of the ordinary, but still. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, not that realistic. Definitely not yeah. realistic in this case.
1: No, it doesn't look realistic. I think it's as well because I'm used to dealing with theatrical blood for the performances that I do with the metal band that I occasionally um, go on stage with. It's just like I've, there's so many different types of theatrical blood, and none of them are that colour. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> there is that. Uh, next, they go on. They keep mentioning Peter all the all the damn time. It gets incredibly grating. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he was the only character whose name I knew for most of the film. Now, <laughs> very weird, uh, this guy. So, as we're going to probably talk about later on in the film, um, he's, his character makes a lot of stupid decisions throughout this film, but they're not really punished. But what I found kind of weird to start off with is, was he supposed to be gay? Because he had a very, very effeminate sort of voice. And also, he had a weird accent that I couldn't really place. It's like, at points, it's like, is he American? Is he supposed to be South African? Like
1: he He's like the final guy with the pink shirt that gets really strategically ripped at the end, yeah.
0: It, yeah, he goes without his shirt for a lot of the film for I think some he's, reason.
1: I don't think he's supposed to be gay. I think he's supposed to be the heartthrob, but I completely understand where you're coming from because it's incredibly confusing. Um,
0: <laughs> like a lot of this film.
1: But, like, one of the first um, lines in the film about him from delivered by one of the other actors, or I think it's one of the actresses, um, she's like, Peter, we were worried. <laughs> just really wouldn't. And it's like, oh, come on, if you're worried, you'd just be like, put, just put a bit more into it. It's like, Peter, we were worried. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God.
0: <laughs> yeah, although, interestingly, I don't know if that's just bad dubbing. Or if that's just the acting was just that horrendous because I noticed like for dubbing in this film as you would expect a film of this sort of low budget quality yeah. is shit really for lack of a better word
1: totally I've written down a couple more great examples of robotic lines um, one of my favourites it smells like something died <laughs> 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 which is supposed to be funny but it's just delivered so badly it's like oh god it's so annoying And then there's another one where they sort of skip out into this, um, well, into this kind of woodland area, but it's more like mountains. In fact, they're talking about it being a marsh, but it's very picturesque, like something out of the sound of music. And they they sort of come skipping out and then one of them goes, well, if it all looks like this, then it sounds great. (laughs) I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> the entire cast are just like that as well. Terrible. Uh, yeah.
0: I mean, I loved when the film moved to, like, the police station. It kind of brought back memories of Frozen Scream. Like, so, hmm. of. all you people had a lobotomy, like, or you all stoned right now, because it's like that sort of level of, oh, hello, you will have to take a seat. Like, just sort <laughs> of... Like, because you must, I mean, you're an actress. I mean, surely you you have to de- deliberately deliver dialogue that's stilted and wooden. Like, people don't talk like that in real life. They talk with some level of emotion. So it does kind of make me wonder if these people are deliberately directed to give that kind of stilted delivery.
1: I don't think it's deliberate. I think it's just an experience. Like, they're just doing it on the cheap and it's just really terrible. The only thing that I can think is that... They've not learned the lines and they're just concentrating on getting the, the words right. And all they're thinking is, if I get the words right, then I've done it. Um, that's the only way I can explain it. But there's no excuse. Like, everybody knows that that doesn't like convince people of a real conversation. So the only thing I can think is that, that these are just people that have never done anything like that before, in which case, why get them to do your film, you know, to work on your film? baffling Mm -hmm. there's another one where it's like um yeah it's that mountain shot again and, and they're going um this is where I want to live. <laughs> I was just like, well, if you really wanted to live there, would would you say it like that? You wouldn't, would
0: you? <laughs> no, no, probably not.
1: Yeah, and all did you notice that there's a lot of, like, fake laughter when they were frolicking about in the water, so they were, like, splashing each other, like, we're having so much fun, we're being so playful and splashing each other with water because it's all summer, and, and they're like, ha ho, 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 just, like, this fake laughter while they splash each other. And then what's even weirder is like kind of in the background, there's somebody that's about to be killed and they've not noticed because they're having so much fun splashing each other. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that that part. I mean, that's the next sort of deaths in the film. But yeah, Yeah. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. Like, you know, you've got this guy who's just fallen off a cliff, basically, to his death, and they don't notice. Like, yeah. how can you not notice? You're right there. Because they're having like, so much
1: fun frolicking
0: in the water. Splashing isn't? each other like yeah. kids. It's but like, like, Jesus Christ.
1: Like you say, it's about ankle deep as well, so it's incredibly difficult for them to splash. So they're kind of stooping over really far and trying to sort of keep this fake laughter up, but it's just so stilted. But as you say, um, that's Def number two, our guy down at the beach. He's called Dale, I picked up on that. And he was wearing a pink shirt and a pink beret, which is like... <laughs> Nobody wears a pink beret. <laughs> who who wears that? Apparently, this well, guy. Dale, apparently. Yeah, Dale, and who I assumed was his wife, who's in a matching pink dress, and she then gets dragged away, um because he gets strangled, and then he like falls to his death, and uh, next to the frolicking, laughing, um, water splashes, and then. <laughs> I thought it was his wife, but you said you've looked on the credits and
0: it's his yeah. mother, isn't it? So, no, yeah, I in the credits, um, it's actually his mother, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, it could be his mother, but the characters are only there for a minute just to be killed. So, I, I think any attempt at characterization is uh pretty uh worthless Useless. at this point, yeah. yeah. So, after Dale and his mum get killed. Um, yeah. We're then introduced to the policeman. And really the impression I got throughout the whole film is these policemen make the policemen in Last House on the left look competent. Yeah. <laughs> really.
1: yeah. Well also they seem to have got these kind of stud looking like police at uh, like sheriffs or assisting policemen, like young guys who are supposed to be like the good looking studs of the movie. And one of them looks like Napoleon Dynamite was based on him. Oh, yes. That guy. Oh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. That guy. you mean? It,
1: it's so hilarious. It's like a blonde guy, with like curly, short curly blonde hair, um, blonde moustache, with like these kind of big sort of late 70s, 80s glasses. Um, those kind of like wide framed ones, like gold. Uh, quite sort of, I guess, disco looking. Um, and Yeah, he just looks like Napoleon Dynamite, but obviously way before the era of Napoleon Dynamite. It's uncanny. So there's that. So I think they're supposed to be the eye candy of the film. Like, that's how I feel that it's kind of portrayed. So they've really focused on the guys in this film. And uh, if you find Napoleon Dynamite attractive, then that's great. But. (laughs) Not necessarily the rest of it so
0: (laughs) so um and then after that we get newlyweds in a van oh my god they have amazing names so the woman's name although it's not said again going by the credits so the woman's name is cherry and uh, the husband's name as uh, she so eloquently puts it it's dick (laughs) yeah so, um, and I liked Dick for the simple reason, although he's not in the film very long. Whoever wrote this film obviously was a wrestling fan, um, because he said in the style of a WWE Hall of Famer, classy Freddie Blassie, he calls the killer a pencil neck geek.
1: Oh I wow, awesome. I didn't
0: know that. So Dick doesn't survive for very long, um, he gets, I, I don't know how he dies, he basically gets his head shoved into the side of the van, I guess, and he's covered in that really fake-looking blood that we talked about earlier. And then Cherry gets killed in a pretty over-the-top hilarious way, um, which is actually kind of a theme for this show, where people die in vans.
1: Oh my Um, god, yeah, that escalates quickly, doesn't it? She sees his bloody face at the window. The next thing you know, the caravan's rolled down the hill and then it just blows up and bursts into flames
0: although it doesn't explode like a, an A-bomb has gone off inside it like the van in our next film that we're going to talk about. But, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, so... Oh, yeah.
1: It was a bit of a harsh death. That is death number five. Yeah. So D- Dick and Cherry, <laughs> four and five. <laughs>
0: Yes, and then I've noted that we've got some more atrocious editing. Uh, it's kind of editing that made me think Bruno Matai had edited this film, because um, it's lots of sort of scenes that just sort of end out of nowhere and just quick cuts. Um, one of the issues that I have with this film, amongst many others, is the pacing of the film. So you'll have these scenes where too much basically happens in too short a period of time, and we have no, there's no room to let the characters develop. You know, they may as well not even be in the film, a lot of them. And then you'll have scenes near the end where it suddenly gets really, really, really slow.
1: Like I say, that scene with the caravan, it just escalates really quickly. It's like, yeah, she just gets killed. It rolls down the hill. That's it. Boom. Explodes. You're like, whoa, where did that come from?
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, like, so we've got our, our four main characters. Um, nothing really happens sort of to do with them at this point. It's just random people in the woods getting killed. Um, speaking of which, we have our sixth death, which is a woman who is painting.
1: Oh, this scene's amazing. I I couldn't stop laughing at this. I could not stop laughing. So good.
0: <laughs> well, it's a very over-the-top death, really, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, with, with lots of uh, bright red blood again um actually at this point i thought i'd figured out who the killer was i thought that i saw the artist as we're going to call this person who's like painting the canvas sort of painting the scenery stood in the woods um And then this kind of hand comes out of nowhere with a blade. It's a machete blade. This is like one of the common themes throughout the film of what the killer is doing. But you don't, at this point, you don't know who the killer is. But I thought that I saw a bear paw. So I thought it was like a really clever bear that was going around with with a machete, (laughs) (laughs) killing people. Um, As well, because um, Dick was saying that he wasn't scared of anything on two feet. I just thought, hmm, maybe it's like some kind of bear or some kind of bear man. Um So this kind of fairy hand flies out with a machete, goes through the canvas and kills this artist who's peacefully painting. And yeah, it's just really like the the noises that the person's making while they're being stabbed are really unrealistic for like actually being um stabbed to death. So it's all a bit kind of tepid, the way that they're acting. So it's just funny, really. It's like... They're not really. They don't sound like they're in pain. So you can't take it seriously.
0: No, but what I found quite funny is that she's painting this picture whilst wearing sunglasses.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't be able to do that, would you? Which
0: is like, hmm. That someone's not thought this through very clearly. Clearly. Um, So, and also, she has a little girl who, then I assume, gets taken away by a wild man who doesn't really have a name. I uh, In the film, the police refer to him as a wild man, so that's what I'm going to refer to him as in this review. Yeah, um, I
1: noted him down as the savage, because as I, I, when I saw him, I just thought, okay, that's a savage, it's not a bear man, and it's not a clever bear. So,
0: <laughs> Bear savage man.
1: Bear savage man. He's got, like, kind of um, fur cuffs on, like you would do if you'd skinned a few bears and then appropriated the fur as your clothing. That's why it looked like a clever bear paw. That, um darted out from nowhere with a machete.
0: Absolutely, and then after that. Oh uh,
1: well, after our artist, I've got Death Number Seven, girl in a sleeping bag. She gets tied up in the tree.
0: Well, there's there's the girl and there's another guy as well. So you get two people who are killed at once. So because um, it's yeah. a slasher film, there's a black guy and he dies straight away.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and then they're they're kind of hoisted up in this tree in the sleeping bag and they're getting like big bricks thrown at them and all sorts
0: yeah it's filmed in a way that it's not really clear what's happening i mean if you're watching a slasher film and you've got someone being killed in a sleeping bag and it's not friday the 13th part seven it's probably going to be a bit shit and this is no exception
1: <laughs> yep so seven and eight those two and then number nine there's like a fishing rod guy who gets a trap to the face
0: Yeah, so once again, a random character, and he's identified in the credits as a fisherman. Um, So um, as you said, and he gets killed in a pretty savage way. I would probably say mm, this is either the best death in the film or there's another one a bit later on, which is quite brutal as well. But he gets, in effect, two massive blows, which kill him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I quite like this death, but I've definitely got a favourite one, and it's not this one, so we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but yeah, he gets his bear trap to the face, which is pretty extreme. Um, comes out of nowhere, just swings towards his face, hits him dead on. Then you see our savage running around, and um, the next one, so that was death number nine, so death number ten. Um, so I'm not sure what the character's called, actually, but he's the one that's talking about call me your uncle or something like that yeah um, so
0: this is craig that we're back, talking about here okay. so he's one of the main characters he's one of the guys at the start of the films who actually uh well he doesn't say don't go in the woods he's saying never go in the woods alone yeah um, so he's giving all the advice to all the other characters and he plays a bit of a prank one of a girl's way he uh, kind of hangs up her sleeping bag uh, as revenge for something that she did earlier just as a bit of a joke mm-hmm. um, but then he gets killed in what i thought was the worst death in the film because it doesn't make any sense <laughs> and it looked really shit because um, the wild man was far too far away from craig to do the things that he was supposed to have done it just looked really fake and shit Basically.
1: Right? Yeah, it's, it all happens a bit quick. He kind of get gets pulled up into the tree, stabbed and his arm cut off is what I've noted down. Was a bit nonplussed by this part. By this part of the film, I'm like, wow, you know, there's such a lot that's happened. I was kind of like, when, like, there's just too much going on. How much longer is this going to go on for?
0: I'm running, well, yeah. running out of
1: space in my notebook here.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> as you said, there are 10 deaths at this point. The film's not even like probably halfway through at this point. It's just ridiculous number of deaths. Yeah. So having a high body count is not necessarily a guarantee that a film will be exciting to watch.
1: Yeah, quality, not quantity. That's what I would say. So, yeah, so that was, uh, okay, death. Not, not amazing to watch. Um, then we've got like, The savage is still running around then after that, and one of the guys, he accidentally stabs a random person who like sort of enters the scene and then he's apologizing profusely for killing him which is absolutely
0: thing. hilarious so um there was actually a scene before that where um one of the girls who's called Ingrid um nearly kills Peter with a rock which is again absolutely hilarious that like <laughs> she almost did it but then um yeah Peter then kills this poor guy by spearing him through his guts basically and he <laughs> goes I'm sorry I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like, you just fucking killed someone. It's like, it's too late now saying you're sorry. It was just it was so ridiculous.
1: Like he's just going to stick a plaster over it and send them home. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he'll
0: be fine. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just put a Band-Aid on it and it'll be all right. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: of course. Um, Again, with the wooden acting, yeah. Um, The next one is, Um, so they they eventually find this savage's little house in the woods And so one of the girls goes in there and she gets killed in the house with a blade. Um, Again, this machete that the the wild man is um, running around with. So she dies in the house due to that, which is death number 12, clocking up those bodies... (laughs)
0: Exactly, yeah. Clocking up the death count. And then we had what I believe is your favourite death in the whole film.
1: This is my favourite. There's just like a random guy in a wheelchair at the top of a hill, like unexplained. He's obviously just uh, on a bit of a trip out into the woods in your wheelchair as you would i'm sure you'd need like smooth terrain to operate a wheelchair but nope he's out in the middle of the woods and he's um, by
0: himself as well which makes it even yeah. less sense because it's like he's poor guy in a wheelchair and they play this up for comedy because they use this really like com- comedic score which yeah. kind of sounded like the score from the greasy strangler i thought anyway yeah. but that's just my opinion it was just like yeah. Boop, be dip, be dip, be dip, sort of that kind of score like playing this poor guy who's Struggling to get his wheelchair up this sort of rocky terrain, and he's just like, Oh, look at this idiot!
1: Yeah, Greasy Strangler, by the way, highly recommend that film, I love it. But anyway, the wheelchair's at the top of the hill, and then this machete just flies up there and like beheads him. So suddenly, it's just like this wheelchair beheading out of nowhere, and then that's it. Then moves on to the next scene, the next shot, and it's just like it is really funny. It's my favorite death in the whole film, but it's just completely like random. And, and all of a sudden
0: it's dark as well, which I thought was funny.
1: Yeah, that is funny. So Wheelchair Beheading is my favourite one, and that's death number 13. My second favourite is The, the Artist, because that was ridiculous and completely unbelievable as well. Like, just com- just completely, like, um, unrealistic. So both of those are pure comedy gold. <laughs> and... And then our final death is um, when the savage gets discovered. So, you know, we're bringing the film to a close there. But that's death number 14, so it's quite a high body count.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, you've got more kind of evidence of the police being really shit, basically, they're just being really stupid. And what happens is, as well, like the doctor has this really great idea. So you've got Peter, who's left the hospital and has gone on the run by himself, And she's like, let's bring the girl with us as well. That's a great idea, isn't it? So she's managed to get out of this alive and she's probably quite traumatized. But no, let's bring her back as well. And then she (laughs) escapes because she's also an idiot, but she also (laughs) survives um, because she, I guess, is supposed to be the final girl. So her and Peter are like the final two who are left. And yeah, as you Mm -hmm. said, they kill the wild man. They basically beat the absolute shit out of him pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Although, not all that convincingly, I have to say. It looked like they were tapping him, really. It didn't look that realistic, but, you know, hey. Realism is not to be expected in a film like this, so.
1: Yeah. Oh, I've got noted down here for the wheelchair beheading that that guy in the wheelchair, guess what colour he's
0: wearing? Is it pink, by Yeah, <laughs>
1: he's wearing pink! I know, like, I've just checked the date of this film, by the way, because I usually mention that. It's 1981, so... I guess it was the in colour, but really, <laughs> there's so much pink in this film.
0: Very much so. Yeah, 1981, the height of the slasher film. Um, so, yeah, this uh, not really a great example. I doubt this really made a lot of money at the time. I'm guessing they thought, well, Friday the 13th, that made a lot of money. Um, let's have a go. And they made this instead.
1: I also noted down... Before the savage gets killed, there's a lot of towards the end as it reaches the climax. There's a lot of these fake savage girls, uh, so he's like ah, ah, as he's running around.
0: Yeah, it's very Scooby Doo, isn't
1: it? Yeah, very forced. So yeah, moral of the story is don't go into the woods or don't go into the woods alone. But the couple at the end and the t- the two final people, they find the savage and you know just like tear into him everybody else turns up and they're just like whoa look what you've turned into because you're killing him in the way he's been killing throughout the film and you think they're going to be arrested or something like that but then they everything's just fine and they're like oh yeah we see why you've done that and then everyone just relaxes so it's like it does kind of reach a peak quite well but it's a bit bit of a lame sort of ending what did
0: you think uh We've seen worse, let's put it that way. Um, yeah. At least it wasn't a dream this time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, tricked. it's, uh, I don't know, I thought the ending was all right. I was just happy the film was over, to be honest. Although, what we did have um, is a rip-off of the song Teddy Bear's Picnic, which I thought was like, hmm, okay, this is a bit weird, where they've changed the lyrics.
1: Yeah, I loved that. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was so funny. Are can you we, sure? Can yeah, can we obtain that music, please? I would like that music for our show. Thank you. Well, stay tuned.
0: <laughs> um, so we come to the key part of the review. Um, so as we discussed, quite a high body count is fourteen deaths. Um, is it a video nasty though? Um, no, it's not video nasty. <laughs> it's too funny. Um, no. I agree. I'm not sure how this made the list or why, because anyone who if, within about two minutes, you'll know what kind of film it is. And yeah, uh, again, it's not even really all that gory. And the gore is like, you know, that kind of Blood Feast style, really fake looking gore. And it's just like, yeah. And there's there's no nudity at all or anything like that. So, yeah, not quite sure what the BBFC were thinking with this one. But hey, never mind. Uh, Their judgment has never been all that great when it comes to this sort of thing. So, you know. Yeah, it
1: was, uh, I quite enjoyed reviewing it. Like, there's a lot of material in there to make notes about. Um, but overall, probably won't be watching it a second time. Although no, you, you you did, Greg. You were extremely keen. That's because
0: it didn't make any fucking sense the first time I watched it.
1: I bet you've added this to your list of DVDs to buy, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, God. It's <laughs> just that well, good.
0: Uh, interestingly enough, speaking of that, um, so I agree not a video nasty um the director has tried to sort of claim that oh no the the humor in this is is intentional it's like oh come on now really it really clearly is not meant to be intentional whatsoever (laughs) um but <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you are, are not put off by our our review and you know quite like watching shit films um, <laughs> then this film is actually available on dvd and blu-ray believe it or not from 88 films um, as part of their slasher collection um so yep if you uh if you live in the uk and you want to watch a really bad slasher film then by all means that's how to do it legitimately so uh yeah although and probably won't be part of my collection although I did recently buy Island of Death so quite pro- <laughs> quite happy about that
1: <laughs> yeah, worth a buy you you had to get that one really didn't you, it's like one of our favourite reviews so far I think
0: <laughs> yeah definitely so that's uh, that's episode 7 um, for those of you who missed it so, um, so that was our first film so the second film that we're going to talk about and again you might be able to notice a theme with this, this is called Don't Go Near the Park I don't know why it doesn't say don't go in the park it's just not even go in it's just don't go near the park so um, this is to put it mildly it might be a little bit of a a genre hybrid within the horror genre Um, however that just might be because the film is really confusing and doesn't make a lot of sense um Ria can you please attempt to describe the events of don't go near the park
1: yes I'll attempt it um (laughs) So, 1979 film and the summary is uh, runaways are attacked by evil beings from the far past.
0: <laughs> well, there, there you go. Short and sweet.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at my notes because um, Greg and I always watch these films and I just sit and, and write about them and, uh, you know, study all the details, and make lots of notes and Capital letters across the second page of my my notes on this film is just the word shit in capital letters <laughs> underlined. I think like I think I might even take a photo of this on my on my phone, and just upload it to the Facebook page like when we release this episode because it is quite funny that that's my review of this film. I got more notes than that obviously, but at that point I felt it necessary to write the word shit in mass massive letters across my notebook. So it's not a great film. Let's just say that
0: interestingly because you love bringing up imdb both this and don't go in the woods have a, a rating of 3.5 out of 10 on imdb mm. which are very appropriate in this case so imdb is actually right yeah in, uh, in these cases
1: yeah <laughs> ah, okay <laughs> so who's the director of this magical film greg
0: <laughs> yeah so this is directed by lawrence d folds um And it has the alternative titles of Curse of the Living Dead, Night Stalker, and Sanctuary for Evil, which are three very, very generic titles. I have to say, Don't Go Near the Park is the best title. Um, My kind of key thought of the film was that um, I have no idea what the fuck is even supposed to be going on in this film. Because when it started, I thought it was going to be one thing. And then about 20 minutes later, it's like, okay, what the fuck is this? What's going on? And then Mm -hmm. halfway through the film, it became something completely different from there so i was like okay did like eight people write this or something because the plot makes no sense there isn't really a central character which is a problem because yeah the the narrative is all over the fucking place
1: i completely agree with you the most surprising thing about this film is that it's a cannibal film and um there are two writers to this film i've just checked now and so not eight just two But it's still just. (laughs) I may have been exaggerating when I said eight,
0: but. Feels
1: like eight. Uh, Most surprising is that it's a cannibal movie because I wasn't expecting that in the park, but okay. And uh, another surprising thing is it's set 12,000 years ago. It's also set 16 years ago and it's set in the present day. So, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I was expecting some kind of Sasha movie like on Swings and Slides. I don't know about you. But that's how I wanted it to play out. That's what I wanted to happen. I wanted it to be like, you know, it's on the roundabout and someone's getting killed or some shit like that. That's not what happens here.
0: Yeah, I think that would have been a more interesting film. Um, Yeah, from the title I can see why you would have thought that, not Zombies and vampires or cannibals or whatever the fuck this is supposed to be about or God knows.
1: (laughs) Cannibals are my personal favourite, and this is a complete spoiler, but fuck it. Anyway, I'm going to say it. Laser Beams for Eyes. Oh my god. That was
0: amazing. That's brilliant. I never
1: anticipated that being in any of the films that we were going to discuss, and I'm really glad that we got to talk about Laser Beams for Eyes. Uh, because it's like so Austin Powers or some crap like that laser freaking beams for freaking eyes amazing
0: and shooting a dog with laser beams as well which I thought was hilarious that was probably one of my favourite bits of the film just poor dog getting shot with like some guy using laser beams in his eyes like you say Oh, dear. Uh, so, Terrible, terrible. So
1: funny. And also that good old technique of putting talc in hair, which we've encountered on one of those films that we talked about before, which is particularly terrible. It's
0: Blood Feast.
1: Blood Feast, yes. Yeah. Oh, good old talc in the hair. I mean, that's going to make someone look like the decaying or old, isn't it? Yes. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the film starts off... With I thought I was watching Star Wars because it had enough kind of like uh, writing on the screen at the beginning, uh, oh, including the a very scrolling
1: long... scrolling text at the beginning. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Although the very first thing you see, and I'm quoting here, it says, "This film is fiction, though so it is based on actual occurrences which happened over the centuries." It's like, mm. no, it didn't. Why are you telling me this? <laughs> yeah. So you're telling me there are people who are thousands and thousands of years old. So the story is. And it took me about halfway through the film because they repeated the opening section because it made no sense when it first happened. Basically, you've got a couple and so it starts off 12,000 years ago and basically they get a curse put on them for some reason where essentially what happens is every year of their life they age 10 years and to reverse the aging process they have to basically kill people and eat their guts I guess, I don't know, that's kind of the impression that I got from the events of the film and there was something that didn't make any sense where the woman says that the man has to impregnate a woman and have a child for some reason or another so that they can pass the curse on or something like that, I don't know, the story of this film does not make a lot of sense, I'm not going to lie
1: Yeah, so she can um, so she can receive eternal life just um hang on a second just got my phone i was just going to take a picture of my review which is the word shit for the
0: page <laughs> absolutely oh you can hear that there we yeah, go yeah that was that's pretty loud I'm not gonna lie took a, um, took a photo yeah. of that just
1: especially for the facebook page so that's especially just especially sum- for you yeah that sums it up yeah she wants um to receive eternal life and a- Apparently he has to find a woman and have a kid for her to be able to do that. It doesn't make much sense, like you say. But that's where we're going with this film, so, okay.
0: Okay. And um yeah, so at this point as I said, it goes from 12,000 years ago to 16 years ago. As I said, there are three timelines in this film. It really doesn't make a lot of sense. So we go from caveman times to just before modern times. And as I said, we have a, a man and a woman. So the man's name is Mark, and the actor's name in the credits is Crackers Finn, which is an amazing name. Unfortunately, it's not real. Um, Oh my god The actor's name is actually something else But anyway, so he um, What he does is So basically, essentially He kind of forces himself on this woman To move into her spare room It's actually quite creepy, I'm not gonna lie It is,
1: yeah, it is really creepy So he walks in and she screams And then he gives her this kind of hypnotic look And he like brainwashes her And then she like wants to take off her clothes and again, as a theme with these don't films, it all escalates very quickly. Um, she wants to take off her clothes, and then it cuts to them getting married, and um, then and he's he's um, obviously been very persuasive, and then it cuts to them having a baby, and then suddenly the child is like sixteen. And, Jesus Christ, they've just fast-forwarded through this kid's life in the film. There's been, like, no time at all for us to grow up, so...
0: Yeah, it's very, very quick, to the point where I really wasn't expecting it. I thought the story would be about, you know, the man and the woman, so uh, Mm -hmm. Mark and the other woman's name is Patty. So I thought the story was really about them. But yeah, all of a sudden we go from you know him marrying this woman who likes getting her clothes off. Now, it's actually not surprising that she likes taking her clothes off because the actress who plays this character is Linnea Quigley, who's uh, most famous uh, for being in Return of the Living Dead.
1: Oh, she's actually she's on one of the um, Facebook groups, a horror group, Um, that I'm on and I was um, plugging the show on there actually and I noticed that she's in the group and everybody was talking to her and she's really friendly and nice so yeah I really like this actress she seems so cool.
0: Yep so she plays this character who likes so taking all the clothes off and being nice to very, very strange, threatening men. Um, so she's basically there to give birth to this child whose name is Bondi, who then basically mm. becomes the main character. And Linnea quickly is then not really seen for the rest of the film, which is a bit weird. So we then go to... It's basically Bondi's story, really, from that point. And we're in the present day, and she's 16. Uh, that's what they <laughs> say she is, anyway. She's supposed to be 16. And... In amongst that, we've got really, really stupid women being killed, which is a theme for a lot of these films. Um, Particularly, there's uh, one particularly stupid blonde woman who's trying to find her dog who then gets killed by Patty. And Patty kills these people. In fact, um, you mentioned it's a cannibal film. It's uh, one of those kind of gore effects where it's someone trying to rip open someone's guts and it's clearly a model or in one case they didn't yeah. even bother doing that they just put a bunch of red paint just on their guts <laughs> which yeah uh, looked really I've shit not good.
1: no it's that so yeah i did um track the body count as per usual and it's eight deaths which is a reasonable amount but yeah they're not they're not great i got them the first one was a boy fishing um which is right at the beginning. There's a blonde girl who she encounters a bear trap in a barn and then she gets her stomach ripped open by the old woman. And then when Bondy's born, there's a whole series of also stupid deaths after that.
0: (sighs) Yeah, although this does include my favourite section in the whole film. So um, for her 16th birthday, Bondi is given by her father like this amulet that she wears round her neck. And we don't really think anything of it. It's just, oh, it's just an amulet. Fine, fair enough. Um, but then there's a great scene in the film <laughs> oh, yeah, where... And you know scene. exactly what I'm going to say. So essentially yeah. what happens is this van, which is clearly like a creeper van, Pulls up next to Bondi and says, Hi, you know, do you want to get in my van? And like an idiot, she says, Yeah, sure, I'm going to get in your van, sir. Uh, and then, obviously, because it's that kind of van with like, you know, the black tinted windows and all that, um they try and, ha- uh, so it's these three guys in the van, and um, two of them try to have their way with Bondi, which is yeah, not going to lie, the a little van. bit upsetting. And then what happens is she goes, Daddy, help me, Daddy, help me. And the amulet starts glowing, which, okay, this is, a, this is a turn up for the books. And then what happens is the guy driving the van suddenly goes into this weird trance. And um, long story short, he ends up driving the van off this bridge and it then explodes in the way that I mentioned earlier in the show, like a fucking A-bomb had gone off in the van. It just explodes yeah. like they had like an actual explosive going on in there. But the best part is that somehow Bondi manages to not be in the van. She has somehow managed to teleport herself away from the van so that she doesn't actually get hurt or anything. It's incredible. (laughs) And she's just just sat by the side of the road with her blouse kind of unbuttoned, not
1: knowing how she got there, and it's all, like, happened telepathically, like you say. Uh, It is absolutely hilarious and completely unbelievable. But actually that wasn't my favourite scene that is pretty high on the list but my favourite scene was just before that when he presents the amulet to her for her 16th birthday they've decided to have a pool party. Oh, it's just so cringy. Like, she's got all her 16-year-old girlfriends round and they're all in the bikinis sat around the pool and um at this point you realise that the relationship between her parents is breaking down and she's becoming more important and... um the wife had said um, before this scene, oh, you've got no time for me anymore, to him. And then (laughs) there's this scene where she gets really jealous of the amulet that Bondi's been given for her birthday and then out of shot you just hear them shouting really loud and she's going, oh, you never gave me gold. Copper for me and gold for her. Like she's really (sighs) jealous of her own daughter, which is really strange because it's not like you know, a lover's relationship or something. It's his 16-year-old daughter. And it's so great, I've written down the quote. Um, He's like, yeah, that's it, bitch. You said it. (laughs) She just happens to be better than you. That's it exactly. And um, all the 16-year-old girls sort of look awkwardly around the pool and then they all start to leave really quickly and then Bondi's just sat there with her head in her hands like oh my god I'm so embarrassed my parents have argued in front of everybody and my dad's called her a bitch and it's just like so cringy it's just comedy gold and then you've got the exploding van scene which is just like our caravan scene in the previous film it just is ridiculous and just happens so quickly you're like where the hell did that come from?
0: Yeah, it kind of felt like the uh, people who wrote this film were making it up as they go along. And yeah, I said it's just absolutely ridiculous Scene, let's say, a van explodes into like, you know, a million pieces. Could have taken out like a whole city with the amount of, kind <laughs> of explosive used here. Um, and yeah, Bondi survives.
1: She survives, but that's death three, four and five, because I counted two guys in the back that were trying to effectively rape her and the driver. And, and then um, um,
0: Bondi makes it to the titular park that you're not supposed to go near, uh, which is <laughs> where kind of the, the rest of the film kind of takes shape from this point. And this is kind of where the film became somewhat cohesive. So you've got Bondi and this small boy called Nick who I guess must have been like seven or eight, he randomly appears, and then they have this really, really creepy scene which basically takes place kind of when they meet. So Bondi, you got to imagine this. So if you're listening to the show, you've not had the uh, pleasure of watching this film, like myself and Ria <laughs> have. So Bondi is lying down, kind of, you know, wearing all her clothes, and this little boy Nick goes over to her while she's asleep and tries to basically put his hand down her bra. Yeah. Which is like okay (laughs) that doesn't make any sense like why why when i was eight i certainly wouldn't try and do that but oh well
1: (laughs) yeah in no uncertain terms he's a little pervert and she actually calls him that then he kind of asks if he could be a brother but then he says actually i don't want to be a brother because i kind of want to do other things and then she's just like what um, wow. She calls him. She calls him a pervert.
0: Yeah, so it's there's so some cracking lines. There's some cracking lines in this section. So one of which is like, "Remember, brothers don't go around feeling up their sisters, especially when they're sleeping." <laughs> and also, um, <laughs> Bondi has a great line. I'm sick of people trying to molest me, even child molesters.
1: Yeah. Oh God. So like,
0: cringe. Definitely. Then she makes
1: this. Then she meets meets this hunky man called Cowboy. <laughs>
0: Yep, which is uh, that's his name.
1: I know, and I was like, maybe she's just joking, like, "Oh, hey, cowboy," you know, trying to be cool. But
0: no, that's actually no, that his is name. his actual character name in the credits. Um, so they become like almost like a Lost Boys type family. So you've got um, this really old woman who's Patty again. Um, so then you've got basically this threesome of Bondi and Cowboy and Nick and basically they're staying in this house in the middle of the park Um, Um, and then then you you get the next death death
1: death number 6 girl in the park camping she's got a pink shirt on um, and it's an excuse for boobs to be flashed they rip open a shirt she's not wearing a bra obviously when you go camping you just don't wear a bra I don't know and then she gets her stomach ripped open, as always um I think Mick is watching from the bushes at this point, mm. um
0: and as I said, like the effects in this particular scene were pretty shit, so, so they didn't even bother using fake insides. they just basically put a bunch of red paint on the girl's stomach, so she's basically mm. like topless, so you can see her boobs, which is uh you know is what it is, and um, mm. yep, so Patty then basically turns back into her normal self. And then we get mm-hmm. the uh, ridiculous sort of last sort of ten or fifteen minutes of the film, where yeah. an all manner of shit happens that I I'm not gonna like. Oh I couldn't really dear. follow. I don't know how well you I've ca- it I've, is, tri- but I've, tri- I I've
1: tried to follow it. So I'll try to summarise the absolute ridiculousness it is that scene. So I get it that I think I take it that Bondy and Nick are in. They go into this cave. And then the guy who is effectively her own dad tries to undress and rape her, kind of.
0: Yeah, although he tries to get the dog to undress her as well, which I thought was fucking
1: ridiculous. (laughs) Oh my God, that's like quote of the year. Okay, I love that. Um, Then everything is set on fire just for a bit of added drama, so the whole cave's on fire. Then laser beams come out of the rise, which is just amazing. Like, every film should have that. And then... um, (laughs) Nick dies but he's not dead actually but I thought he got shot with laser beams and he falls down to the floor and then there's loads of weird shit that goes on and I think the two uh, killers, the couple they get eaten by zombies from what I can tell um, Yeah, although then, it's not very clear Yeah, it's dark and zombie-ish and then Cowboy, Bundy and Nick make it out and then they're kind of like this weird family.
0: Well, yeah, and then basically, right at the end, you've got the uh, the weird ending where Bondi basically then starts attacking Nick because, well, she's part of the family, you know. It's the thing that they oh, do yeah. somehow. I don't know that's how that works. The, that's
1: the ending. It's like that's the twist in the plot. Is like hit, uh, Nick thinks he's going to just go down the slide, um, which is actually what I expected from this film. Is that we would be in the play park and it would be some weird deaths related to that maybe somebody should remake this film but make it like that because that would be quite fun um but yeah at the end he goes down the slide and he does this really fake over the top like oh my god she's turned and she like has blood on her fingers and she's trying to grip his stomach and it's like just you can tell nothing's gonna happen she just like sort of glints at the camera and there's like a bit of a flash in her eyes and it's like oh she's turned she's one of those one of them you know um, it's really dodgy ending and like not convincing at all. Terrible.
0: But yeah. hey, we had
1: lasers. We had laser beam for eyes in here, so there's always that.
0: Yeah, I think all films could be improved by people shooting laser beams out their eyes and zombies. So uh, I miss you, hugs and kisses. You know, you could have had that, and you would have probably been more entertaining.
1: Oh my god, this film was terrible. Okay.
0: yeah this film was really not that great i mean i didn't find it boring at all it was very bad though the acting was not very good um the special effects were not very good the story as i mentioned earlier is all over the place like so it just very very confusing narrative very very difficult to follow up to halfway through the film bunch of stuff happens that makes no sense very very confusing um wasn't really a fan <laughs> not one that i'd want to watch um again and also not a video nasty in my opinion
1: yeah i would say not a video nasty either
0: yeah pretty cut and dry yeah so uh i mean yeah there's one scene like that scene in the van but really i mean that just i don't know there's way worse we're going to talk about at some point it's just yeah i just didn't think that by itself and yeah the film is so low budget and cheap that you know you really really can't take any of it seriously because it's all ridiculous really um and um you will be absolutely astounded to hear i'm sure this film is not available in the uk so um (laughs) alternative means needed for this one yes a pretty rare one although i think it's on youtube so if you do want to watch it that's probably your best bet um and then you'll want sort of 80 minutes of your life back basically
1: maybe just fast forward to the um, laser beam and zombie scene which is kind of towards the end Like, if you want to see what that actually looks like let's take a look at that
0: yeah the last 15 minutes are probably yeah quite entertaining that and the scene of the uh, guys in the van sort of crashing that was that was pretty much they're the highlights of the film everything else you really don't need <laughs>
1: fair enough Whew, moving swiftly on Yes,
0: so um, the last film we're going to talk about in our series of films um, with the theme of, as you can probably guess, Don't in the title. And uh, this last one that we're going to talk about, it was my favourite of the three by quite some distance actually. And this is called Don't Look in the Basement, Um, alternatively known as Death Ward 13 and The Forgotten, which is a slightly better title, actually, in terms of what the film is actually going for story-wise. And this is directed by S.F. Brownrigg, who's an American director. And I've actually seen another one of his films, actually, since uh, watching Don't Look in the Basement. Um, I actually watched a kind of proto-slashery film called Don't Open the Door, which um, I also enjoyed very much because I'm going to sort of, again, come out straight away and say I actually quite enjoyed this film quite a lot. So yeah, Ria, what happens in the film and what did you think?
1: Well, yeah, like I quite enjoyed this as well. Like you say, I really enjoyed the premise of this film. Um, I think I actually enjoyed watching our first one more, um, but I felt like the actual premise and the plot of this film was pretty good. I feel like it could actually be remade a lot better now and done like quite well because it's, it's a little bit ropey. But anyway, um, I'll get on with the summary. So it's a 1973 film, and the plot is um, a young psychiatric nurse, she goes to work at uh, an asylum called Stephen's Sanitarium following a murder, and there she experiences um, varying degrees of torment from all of the patients. So, yeah, I mean, I think that this is a great idea for film, but I do wonder in this day and age if Cat... It, would it be p c to do a film like this like is there some kind of um opposition or stigma towards anything that's set in a mental institution or to do with mental health um because obviously back then it wouldn't be challenged, but I'm just wondering if somebody did remake it now, do you think that would be a thing? <gasps>
0: Well, it's quite interesting that you bring that up um, because when I was doing my research for this film, um, I found out two things. First of all, that this film has a sequel, um, which only came out a <laughs> couple of years ago, actually. And it's directed by the son of SF Brownrigg. And also oh. that there actually is a remake in the works um, starring the guitarist of The Misfits.
1: Oh, oh, this is so awesome. Right. Because I've got a friend at the moment. Um, he's called Marios. Shout out to Marios um and he's actually on tour with that guy he's called Doyle and this guy is like he he looks so scary he's built like a brick shit house i don't know if you've seen him but he's awesome the guitarist from the misfits so he's on his solo tour at the moment and my friend is actually doing sound for him and he says he's such a great guy like he's he's such a nice guy and he's awesome and if anybody if you google Doyle and look at his image you'll see like why I'm so excited by this because he would just be perfect for a film in my opinion so that's that's
0: really cool it's one of those things where it's like small world you know um definitely um so that's sort of modern sort of versions of this film in terms of the actual film itself as i said i um i really enjoyed it um i mean anything's going to kind of look good in comparison to the previous two films that we talked about but i actually thought there was um for a low budget film i actually thought the acting in this was uh, pretty good um considering it's the same kind of setup as something like frozen scream where you've got a troop of kind of stage actors it's also the setup of the ghastly ones quite interestingly enough um where yeah. you know you've got a low budget film sort of a established sort of horror low budget director and a bunch of actors who you know aren't used to working in film but if you don't completely fuck it up like as in frozen scream and the ghastly ones and yeah this is the kind of results you get because everyone in this including like the main character who is actually played by another former playboy playmate um but she actually even she you know, gives a, a pretty good performance in this film. So, I mean, yeah, I say, I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, she's really, really pretty lady, isn't she? I enjoyed her performance. Um, and I thought the acting was decent in this film, like you say, and I think the premise of it is great. But, yeah, going back to my question about it being, um, like, perhaps on pc these days, what do you, how do you think that will go down if they're remaking a sequel to this?
0: Um... I, I don't think it's on PC. I mean, you've got to bear in mind that this film, you know, came after Shot Corridor, the Samuel Fuller film, which is really good and kind of the the first sort of well known sort of sort of exploitation sort of um, you know mental asylum film. Uh, and actually, interestingly, after this, two years later, you actually had One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which um, oh, is yeah. kind of your the the best well known sort of film set in a, in a mental institution. So, I mean, I don't think people have that much of a problem with it being there. So, um, in terms of the body count in this, um, how many did you have?
1: Yeah, okay, good question. Um, in the end, I got 10. So, all of the films quite in quite this show... Again. are Yeah, we're, we're racking up the, <laughs> the kills in this show. Um, all of these don't films seem to be out and out slashes with a lot of a lot of kills in them so fair
0: play yeah so um now one of the things that is kind of amusing about the film is basically what it's about is you've got Um, This sanatorium where you've got all these patients and instead of it being like them in rooms or them in sort of solitary confinement or them in straitjackets or anything like that, they're actually allowed to wander around with the uh, docs and nurses, (laughs) which um, doesn't really go very well in this film. So definitely... (laughs) Probably like the least well organized sort of sanatorium in film history. Everyone just seems to be able to do what they want, and uh, which is actually quite amusing because uh, someone actually gets killed in the first five minutes.
1: Yeah, uh, it's more like a nursing home, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing the the first kill. So basically, you introduce to one of the patients who's this crazy woman with doll babies. And she believes that the dolls are really her children and that they're live babies. So there's that, like straight off the bat. And then there's this guy outside and Dr. Stevens, who owns the sanatorium, um, he's outside with this guy working closely with him. And they seem to think that it's therapeutic for this guy to have an axe and be chopping some wood outside um which given his track record i'm not sure if it's wise to give him sharp objects he might kill with and he starts hacking away at this wood and then hacks away into Dr. Stevens and kills him one of the nurses comes out and she just says oh god how did this happen and it's like well really you trusted him with an axe and he's got he's got a track record of uh you know mental illness and um extreme behavior Otherwise, he wouldn't be in there, so there we have it. The first death is actually um Dr. Stevens, delivered by the judge with an axe. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Now, interestingly, as I mentioned, I've seen a second film by the director called "Don't Open the Door." Now, the actor who plays Judge, he is also in "Don't Open the Door," playing a character called Judge. Weirdly <laughs> enough, so uh, weird little synchronicity there in terms of films mm, um, made by the same ahead, director. Yeah, definitely. I also thought this, it was quite amusing as I was watching this. Is um, this is probably the second most unsafe sort of mental asylum that I've seen in a film? There's a jallo called Slaughter Hotel, which is directed by Fernando de leo which is uh, basically this uh, it's about this mental asylum where they just have these medieval kind of weapons just on the wall just generally like an iron maiden or like a flail they're just there (laughs) just scattered around so it's only the second most kind of dangerous asylum to work in although there's less uh, fraternizing between uh, patients and doctors (laughs) in this one
1: Oh, God, yeah. And it seems like some of the patients are um, named in there after their previous profession before they were uh, admitted to the care home. So judge, that's not actually his real name, but I'm assuming that he was a judge before he went in there. And you've also got sergeant, who was previously a sergeant. Yeah. So there is that kind of odd, it's like they've retired, but they've gone into the mental institution and they've carried on with their role because in their mind, that's what they're still doing. So
0: Yes. So you've got, say, the various sort of uh, patient characters. So, yes, you've got Judge and you've got Sergeant, as we said. Um, so you've got Harriet, who's the woman with the fake baby.
1: Oh yeah, the fake bit. So it's quite cliche, so a lot of their lines will be centred around what their role was. So I think um the judge says like a few things about the verdict being guilty and stuff like that. Um and the sergeant probably says a few things that are quite sort of military based as well. Um but yeah, you've got your crazy doll lady and those two characters.
0: Yes, and then you've got uh You've got your stereotypical nymphomaniac character, which you get in all these kind of exploitation sort of asylum films. And her name is Allison. Um, so she's basically <laughs> a big old nympho. And then you've got a <laughs> character called Jennifer, who is your kind of withdrawn sort of female character who may be dependent on drugs. And yeah. you've got a character called Danny, who's sort of a younger sort of guy with like an afro <laughs> who is very childlike and kind of but it can go very very delirious very very quickly and you've got your main patient who's called sam who's this huge black guy who was lobotomized by dr stevens and he kind of believes that dr stevens is still talking to him and things like that
1: yeah and then but then you've also got mrs callington who's the old lady who um believes that flowers are her children and she's named them which i found quite amusing (sighs) And she yeah. sort of she sort of um, recites these rhymes which are quite sort of um, like sort of prophetish. So she's like the prophet of doom, you know, like the prophecy where she's like warning people to get out and never come back. And they ca- she can't go outside. Something something to do with fear of little men. There's like a little rhyme. It's very sort of Willy Wonka-ish, you know, from uh, with, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The original Gene Wilder film when he when he's on the, the boat and he's
0: like chanting. It's a bit like that. <laughs> so again, we've compared an exploitation film to Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> Another amazing comparison to be made on this show.
1: <laughs> I'm just looking now to see what the old lady, Mrs. Callingham, named her flowers, because that really got me. I thought it was really funny. I think it's like Alan and something. Did you <sighs> that's not did a you very flowery that
0: name? Alan, that's a bit shit, really, isn't it?
1: I really wish I could find it. I'll find that whilst we're um, talking about
0: it. <laughs> yeah. So Miss Callingham is kind of in that way you get in slasher films, like Friday the Thirteenth, uh, being the most obvious one. We've got an old character who's a bit crazy who goes, "Oh, you're all doomed. You know, you've got to leave this place straight away." And they're like, "Yeah, whatever, old motherfucker, go away." I, yeah. But nope, I, I found
1: right. it. I found it. It's Bobby and Alan. So those are children' <laughs> children's names
0: flowers oh dear so yeah so that's your kind of cast of inmate characters and yes you've got uh, a doctor called dr masters who Mm -hmm. after dr stevens is killed um takes over the asylum and is basically runging it um and there is Mm -hmm. another doctor who uh like dr stevens doesn't last very long in the film
1: yeah, so first death is Dr. Stevens. Like you say, you've got Masters, who's like the she's like the matron. She's like an old matron. And um, there's another older nurse who is choked as the second death. She's got like wing, winged glasses on. She's choked by the crazy doll woman and possibly put in a suitcase, which is what I think happened. I'm not sure. So those first two deaths happen, and then our pretty young nurse arrives
0: whose name is Charlotte Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah basically so she kind of has been told that she's already kind of joining the company and Doctor Masters doesn't immediately accept her right away but because it's a film um, yeah she just does basically and then there's a lot of kind of because one of the things I liked about this film is unlike kind of the previous two films that we talked about there is actually a lot of character development in the film itself so For example, instead of the... I mean, admittedly, a lot of it, as you said, is to do mainly with kind of what they used to do, or like this one character trait that they have. Although, a couple of them I actually did really like, the performances like Judge I thought was a really good, intense performance. I thought the actor who played Sam was really good. um, And I thought that and you say a lot of the, the performance even though they are kind of bordering on the kind of hysterical um mm. were actually very effective in a film like this and yeah you have a lot of scenes where you're kind of getting to know the different characters and because they're crazy and it's in that kind of environment you do have that sense that anything could happen at any time which i thought yeah. worked quite well in this film
1: it is good actually it is good but i do see how it's been put together a little shoddily and it could be done better but like i say it is enjoyable you are right like i enjoyed um i was always waiting to see what would happen next and there is this element of crazy which is really interesting
0: throughout (laughs) yeah absolutely so um They are the only characters really in the film, although there is another character who appears who is a telephone repair man who just randomly appears in the film um, because the telephone stops working. And I'm not quite sure how the company would know that the phone stopped working, but hey, I guess they did. So um, they send this telephone repair man and there doesn't appear to be a reception at this sanatorium. So he doesn't know who he's talking to, if he's talking to patients or doctors. So (laughs) yeah, not really a very well-organized mental institution there um and then he kind of meets uh, long story short he kind of meets the nymphomaniac um, yeah who... uh,
1: she called Alison. Alison, the yeah. nympho um it's a brilliant scene i really enjoyed this scene um he says something along the lines of ripe strawberries are the color of blood and then she says i do taste like strawberry and then she says, taste me! And she, like, rips off her dress. And she's got no bra underneath conveniently yet again, as always happens in horror films. Um, so she's just, like, completely naked, just, like, rips off her dress. And she's like, I can be anything you want. Um, and he says um, to be carnally minded is death. And uh, he's basically calling her a slut. Um, <laughs> so... He's, like, refusing her advances and she's just like, I just want to be loved because then that'll make me feel better. And she's just like, take me. And she does that quite a lot through the film, which is really entertaining.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she's another very entertaining character in the film. And then... um... Yeah, so you've got various sort of threatening scenes in the film. Like, uh, the main character, Charlotte, is attacked by Jennifer with a knife. Uh, I think earlier in the film she makes a mistake of saying something, like, bad about Jennifer and she doesn't forget, so she uh, Mm. attacks her with a knife. um, Yeah,
1: there we go again with Jennifer. Like, when they first introduce her as, like, the withdrawn girl, she's, like, down on the floor next to the, um, the matron masters, sat by her chair, and she looks incredibly like somebody from um The Grudge or The Ring with like the dark hair just sort of stringy all over her face. And what the yeah, hell is she that. doing down on the floor next to the chair? Like I just totally picked up on that straight away and was just like, this is very much like The Ring um very creepy i I liked that i like that character it's pretty cool
0: yeah and then you've got another scene which is very similar where you've got judge and danny who kind of wake up charlotte in the middle of the night and they basically scare her because as i said like you're not allowed to close the doors so anyone could just wander in while you were asleep so i thought that was quite threatening and that worked quite well i thought
1: yeah that was threatening i've got a note on this The two of them in in her room at night and i was like oh no kind of used to live, I don't know if I told you about this, but I used to live with a guy like that, a weird landlord that did that to me once, and it reminded me of that, and I was like, oh my god, dark times, very
0: creepy. Yeah, this is why it's important to have locks on your doors, everyone. <laughs>
1: After that, I swiftly got a lock fitted to the door, let's just say that
0: yeah sounds like you did the right thing there um, because yeah as this film shows like yeah if anyone could wander in especially when you've got a guy with a passion for axes shall we say um, yep yeah, definitely a good idea to put a lock on your door um, also another scene that happens in this film that I thought I mean I didn't say it was cool or anything but it was quite noteworthy is you've got uh, Dr Masters um, punishes Sergeant um, by burning a piece of paper in his hand and letting it just burn in his hand which I thought was pretty cruel to be honest
1: yeah that was really weird I couldn't figure out what was going on in that scene but there was something written
0: on the paper I think that she objected to but I I've got to be honest the quality of the film because it's low budget you couldn't really see what he'd written but I assume she didn't like it Yeah,
1: yeah I don't think so and um so then we've got um oh the fantastic um part where Mrs. Callingham, she gets her tongue cut out and she's found. She survives, but she's had her tongue cut out. So there's all blood coming out of her mouth. And then after that, she can't be the prophecy anymore because can't, you can't distinguish what she's saying, but she's still doing it. And then uh, Sam is translating because he, he seems to understand exactly what she's saying, even though she's got no tongue, which is really mm. odd. <laughs> yeah, um, it's very, very odd. So this is quite a creepy bit. So she survives... Um, But we don't know who's cut out the tongue, so it's just a bit weird. And she obviously can't really say because no one can understand what she's saying.
0: No, although, and this is uh, the big spoiler of the film, dun-dun-dun. Although it's not obvious, it is implied that it's Dr Masters because the big secret of the film is that Dr Masters is actually a patient who is pretending Mm. to be a doctor because she went to medical school and something happened and she couldn't be a professional doctor so she's basically lost her shit as they say and uh yeah so since dr stevens has died she's basically now sort of taken over the asylum but all the other patients know that she's actually a patient as well so uh mm. and she does play unhinged quite well i gotta say the actress who yeah. plays dr masters
1: i really loved that um twist in it i thought that was very clever um and it just puts a lot of doubt into charlotte's mind because there's this kind of back and forth between her trying to control the situation and Charlotte not being sure if she should be there. So that's really, that was really clever. I really liked that, which is why I say this would be great if it was remade like properly because it is such a ropey, sort of thrown together film. But the premise of it is excellent, like you say.
0: Although, if it was remade, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have the uh, scene of implied necrophilia which happens near the end of this film.
1: Oh, God, yeah, that is really creepy, though. So um, in terms of let's build up to that with our death. So after the tongue's been cut out, um, death number three is Jennifer. She goes to get her meds and she gets a spike in the eye, which is quite a good one. And then death number four is our telephone man is found, which is Alison's lover man. Um, And it's believed at this point that Masters, the matron, has killed him. And that's how we sort of find out. Um, this whole backstory and this whole twist in the plot Um, and then um, after that the patients actually then, because they realise what's going on, they turn on Masters, so all the patients kill Masters
0: yeah, and this is where the title Don't Look in the Basement comes from because basically, as you can probably guess with a title like that, Dr. Stevens, although he is kind of half dead, he is in the basement. And uh, Charlotte basically finds him there, kind of half alive, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. not really able to sort of say a lot. And then at this point, she kind of thinks, Yeah, you know what? This job isn't really for me, so I'm going to leave now. Although, obviously, they. <laughs> Don't want her to leave, um, but basically Sam, because he had this lobotomy, um, so Dr Masters unfortunately manages to trigger Sam, and then Sam basically goes completely mental.
1: So death number six, Sam kills the judge with an axe because he goes off on one, and then he actually then he kills the rest of the patients in the room that have all killed Masters. So he turns on them all, so that's... Then it's death seven, eight, nine, and ten, which I believe is Alison our Nympho Sergeant Danny, which is the crazy guy who goes like really over the top. And who's that? Who's the last one? It's um, Harriet. Oh, Harriet. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you I got think they Harriet as well. Out. Yeah, and then so Harriet dies. So in total, that is ten deaths. That's that. And then Charlotte actually gets out.
0: Yeah, and I actually uh, say for all the endings that I've kind of complained about on this show, um, I actually quite like the ending of this film because you've got Charlotte, she's escaped, uh, she's been Mm -hmm. saved and Sam is basically the only character left in the film and um, the film ends with him sort of sat in a kitchen crying, eating an ice lolly, which... uh, Is pretty cool. It's a pretty cool way to end the film because you don't know what's going to happen at that point, which then obviously led to the sequel. But I've not seen the sequel. I don't know what happens in it. Um, I'm now
1: really looking forward to this remake, whatever it is. So I'll be keeping my eyes skimmed for that. But yeah, overall, I really liked the plot and the plot twist and the ending for this film. And I liked the crazy elements and the characters. Yeah, it's, it's good. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, it just kind of shows what you can do with low-budget filmmaking because, you know, this clearly wasn't made on a very big budget at all, as you can tell by the graininess of the footage. Um, and, yeah, the the acting, I mean, it's the 70s, so, I mean, I'm biased because the 70s is my favourite decade in film history. So I like kind of the raw, kind of unpolished nature of the performances. Um, I think the film, for its low budget, is actually shot really well. Um, I think, you know, everything looks really good kind of cool and there's a scene with blue lighting in it that I really liked and yeah Mm -hmm. I mean it's not like the greatest film I've ever seen in my life or anything like that but I think for what it was what it's going for I thought it was very effective and it's definitely a film that I would recommend I mean it might not be for everyone's taste because some reviews I've read of it say it's a bit slow which I mean I don't mind I mean fuck I mean if you watch like Tarkovsky or something like that this doesn't seem slow or Antonioni or like any kind of giant art house films i do love those films but you know it's an acquired taste especially if you're used to modern pacing but yeah yeah, if you're willing to look past that and you're willing to invest in the characters it's definitely worthwhile i think
1: yeah the crazy standout necrophilia bit that you mentioned is um our nympho allison she's got the dead body of the um telephone repair man she puts him in a bed even though he's like well and truly dead by then like he's been gone for a while he's covered in blood she puts him in a debt in a bed and then charlotte opens the door it's all a bit like um i felt like this was a bit the shining the way it's done because it is that crazy and like random but um she opens the door and she's like looking right at her and she's kind of she looks like she's about to make love to this dead body and like kiss, obviously been kissing him because she's got like blood all over her face and, um she goes, "Oh, you should never interrupt you shouldn't interrupt us on our wedding night, and it's just like looking really seductively at the dead body, and it's really creepy, so that was like probably one of the most surprising and shocking parts of the film, as you mentioned.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, um, is this a video nasty? Um,
1: no, I'm going to say no. How do you feel about it?"
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, again, and this is the third no on the show, there isn't really anything salacious in this whatsoever. It, it's a little bit violent, but you know, compared to some of the other films on the list, not as much as those. There's a little bit of nudity, but there's nothing sort of, again, nothing really... Stands out. No, there's not. No, again, I'm not really sure why this was on the list in the first place. Although, uh, in America, this was actually released by the same company who released Last House on the Left. So maybe <laughs> it was linked to that. Or maybe the BBFC just don't like films with the word don't in the title. Whereas we love them. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, cool. off okay. the
0: three I would say, you know, this is the best of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah um yeah i think it's the best quality wise i think the first one is the funniest if you're going to go for bad good but this is actually um uh in premise this is the best film and the best plot
0: yes absolutely and this is actually is available in the uk it's available from a company called stacks entertainment limited on dvd so if you want to check it out on dvd that's the way to do it um again it's also on youtube um so if you want to watch it it's uh worthwhile i think
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed.
0: Okay, so that brings us to the end of our show. And again, time just seems to fly by when we're talking about these video nasties films. Um, thank you very much for listening to the show. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes or if you're listening to us on YouTube, um, if you want, uh, please subscribe to us uh, on any of those pages, or you can subscribe to us on our Facebook page, or you can follow us on Twitter at Lament Horror.
1: Yeah, excellent. So um, I've been reoffend once again um alternative model and actress you can find me on facebook on my puppet page Rhea fend i'm also on twitter and instagram re underscore fend um, i've actually got a few shout outs this time as well so once again shout out to marios sozos um sound guy for doyle who i've mentioned in the show when we talked about the remake for the movie that we just spoke about um big thanks to mikey whiplash for the instagram mention who listens to the show he's um a UK based professional wrestler check out his work on YouTube and um, a shout out to Lee Beat and the Beat family from Birmingham who um, are big fans of the show. Thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, I want to thank everyone for listening. But yes, thank you to those guys in particular. They've listened to every single show that we've done. So um, I'm very happy to uh, give them a shout out. I Also, as we're doing shout outs, I want to give a shout out to my good friend, Mr. Thomas Cannon, uh, my best friend in the whole world, who has also listened to every single show that we've done. He's a a big fan. And uh, yeah, um, I want to thank thank him very much for doing that because I really appreciate it. Uh, one of my friends called tom of which there are many.
1: <laughs> oh yeah well we want to give a shout out to thomas dennett cook as well who i ran into on sunday and he's a fan of the show and it's because of him that we actually met and started doing the show so thank you thomas dennett cook as well
0: yes thank you thomas dennett cook because uh yeah you're a great man and you do good work and uh yeah look forward to working with you in the future as i'm sure Rhea is
1: uh, yeah, um, just a little bit of a, a teaser. We are actually planning a mid-year 2017 horror film review. Um, and we've been watching some of the films that have been coming out this year so far in build up to that. So stay tuned and look out for that special because it will be different to our usual um, video nasty reviews um, just for that one show. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to um, reviewing those films that I've watched so far
0: yes so we don't only watch video nasties Uh, so yeah anyone who listened to our first show um, who kind of maybe wants us to review more modern films well hey the next show is going to be the one that you want to listen to because yeah me and Ria we've been uh, studiously keeping up to date with the films released in UK cinemas this year and uh, on the next show we're going to talk about the best and indeed the worst of uh, horror in 2017 so I'm very much looking forward to doing that one slight change of pace uh, but don't worry the video nasties will be back on the uh, the next show after that one um so yeah uh, thank you very much for listening and uh, we will see you again in two weeks time bye everyone thank you <laughs> You probably will be thrilled. Don't go out in the woods tonight, you probably will be killed. There's a friendly beast who lurks about and likes to feast. You won't get out without being killed and chopped up in little pieces go out in the woods tonight, you probably will be thrilled. Don't go out in the woods tonight, you probably will be killed. There's a friendly beast who lurks about and likes to feast. You won't get out without being killed and chopped up in little pieces.